Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, of course, presented to you by FanDuel, CLNS's uh, official sports wagering partner. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And today's episode, it's your boy Pat Lane, as always, uh, with my guy Matt St. Jean. And Matt, a lot has happened since we talked uh, on Thursday. Of course, Bill Belichick was let go, but Gerard Mayo is now the head coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, How do you feel, sir? I feel pretty good about this. I think um, I like the process of it. I like that internally they said this is our guy and we're going for it. You got uh, you you at any point you can pull the plug on the Bill Belichick culture and say we want another guy. You only had one opportunity to try and keep it going with somebody in the building, and I like that they're trying it. Um, we've seen you know former players guys who were recently in the pros do well. Young guys do well. We've seen guys who were players under Bill Belichick do well. And I don't have any qualms at all about hiring a defensive head coach. I think that's totally fine. It's just you got to be more pressure on the offensive staff, but that was going to be there regardless. So the guys seem fired up about it. I'm ready to run through a brick wall because of that. And uh, I'm getting I, I was I had a moment earlier today and I was like, wait, when did they announce when the pre what the preseason games are <laughs> like that's I'm already in that mode. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's uh, – I will say, I just think, you know, obviously it, it's sad to see Belichick go. And there's part of me that is upset when – if you're listening to this in podcast form, it's already out. But if you're if you're watching us live, I have an article dropping tomorrow on Pat's pulpit, basically ripping craft. Um, because I, I just don't – I don't love the way this has been handled. And I know you and I, Matt, have gone back and forth on this, but – some of the things that have been said about about Belichick on the way out and the way that, you know, things just miraculously dropped. Like, all these reports didn't come out, and now all of a sudden they're all, oh, they're all just coincidentally coming out as soon as he leaves. It just kind of makes him sound shitty. And, you know, even like Robert saying, well, he didn't have full control until after 05. And it's like, well, we you've been saying that he's getting full credit for everything, and now all of a sudden he doesn't. And so that's those are the things that I don't love to see. And listen, I, I understand that there's that whatever, but I don't love the fact that they're just kind of promoting Mayo and then kind of – and they're not hiring a GM, so they're just kind of doing it all over again. And and here's the thing, right? This was the argument for the Mac Jones. This is why I was always scared about Mac Jones. What are the chances you're going to find another Tom Brady? What The chances that you're going to find another Tom Brady are not very good, right? And so you drafted a guy that plays like Tom Brady – 
And then you're going to say, okay, well, he's just going to be the next Tom Brady. And I'm like, that just doesn't work. Now you're going to hire a guy and you're going to give him control just like Bill Belichick. And he's a defensive guy just like Bill Belichick. And he got drafted by Belichick and he's only coached for Belichick. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be a Belichick clone, but then you're going to give him all the power like you gave Belichick. And I just like finding another Belichick. I just I don't know how you can bet on it. See, I, I just I interpret the chain of events differently than you do. And I actually I think somebody in the chat asked the perfect question to kind of lead into this. Shout out Berg. He says in the chat here, what do you guys think of Bill's kids being offered to stay? I think it's easy to look at some of the media reports we've seen since the mutual parting of ways that happened and assume as Boston fans looking at what ha- often happens with the Red Sox and see this is another Boston guy getting trashed on his way out of town. That, to me, does not mix with the press conference that you saw with Bill and Kraft kind of almost tearing up and hugging each other and everything. And what Berg mentions about Bill's kids being offered to stay, I don't think they would even consider it if they thought somebody in the organization was going behind Bill's back to leak things to make him look bad in the press. I don't think that would be on the table at this point. I think what we've seen is that it was a mutual parting of ways, which means that both sides wanted this to happen. That means the Crafts did want Belichick out. And based on the reporting we've seen, if it's accurate, there's good reasons for that. Yeah, I don't love an owner meddling in football affairs. When the head coach coach wants to keep Matt Patricia on for a second season as offensive coordinator because he thought it was going better by the end, that is an appropriate time to intervene. Uh, I didn't have an issue with that, if that's what's happened here. And I think we all look at the last couple of years. We've all seen it. Drafting has, has had good moments on the whole has not been good enough. Free agency has had good moments on the whole has not been good enough. The, the coaching job has been largely good, but has had some serious weak spots for the last couple of years. And you couple that with the results on the field and the fact that this is going to be a, a multi-year rebuilding effort and the parting of ways made sense. Um, Bill Belichick is the greatest of all time, and he also dug himself a hole with some of this stuff, and I don't think it's unfair to criticize him for that. I don't think that's trashing him on his way out of town. Uh, And I think the fact that he did a good job and just made bad decisions in there, like it seems like the process was good, the decisions and the results weren't. So keeping the essence of the process while shifting to different people, younger people, people with different, similar but different experiences to take that process and interpret that in their new way. I really like that approach to it. And I don't think you're expecting Mayo to be the new Bill Belichick. I think you're expecting him to be Gerard Mayo, a player's coach who goes up out there and fires up his guys and gets them to rally behind them. Um, the, The players talk about him very differently than they've ever talked about Bill Belichick. And they talk about both with respect. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. And the, the GM stuff, I'm going to, wait and hold off before I have an opinion on it. Um, If they go into the season and there's clear disarray in the front office, I'm going to be very upset that can't happen. But if the people inside the building knows, knows what are going on, I don't really need to care if somebody has a GM title, If everybody knows what their roles are and there's a hierarchy that they all understand. I don't care what the titles are. Right. Um, And oftentimes the GMs and the front office stuff gets sorted out after the draft too because all of the scouts and people this is like mid-season for the scouts right this is so they don't they don't get contracts run out and if you after the draft yeah 
And if you brought in like an external GM right now and asked them to make draft decisions, um, it gets a little bit more difficult. Uh, and then, you know, we've heard reporting about issues in the draft room and issues between the scout side and the front office about information being relayed and um, the all of the reporting and the actions taken by the front office, by the, the ownership, scream here that they think the processes were good, the decision making wasn't. So we're going to keep the processes intact, but change the decision makers. So in the draft room, instead of being Bill Belichick, it's going to be Matt Grow or Elliot Wolf or whomever they decide to have there. When it yeah. comes to game planning, it's going to be Gerard Mayo instead of Bill Belichick. Uh, and you go from there. Right. Well, and I did say it on on the show. And, I, you know, if you're an avid listener, you want to go back and find the clip. But I'm not going to go back and find the clip. But I did say that, you know, maybe the scouts are doing the, a good job and Belichick is just disagreeing with them, you know. In big instances, right? And it seems the hard thing for me, the hard part for me is that you you look at the things that happened, right? The Nikhil Harry situation being the perfect example. Okay, Nikhil Harry gets drafted by the Patriots. Well, it comes out after Belichick gets fired that or whatever, whatever the term is, you know, after Belichick leaves that the scouts really wanted A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel. Well, that's really easy to say now. Really easy to say now. That that didn't come out after Belichick was fired. That came out in twenty twenty one. Okay, and I had yeah, again, you know, I had it was, maybe it I was one stuff, and so you know, it was one pre draft piece in twenty twenty one from Albert Breer that it was put in, uh, okay. and it basically that I don't blame you for not seeing it because it's that this is that there's been a lot of like under the radar things that reports right. that got one mentioned somewhere but didn't catch on beyond it that now are all suddenly coming back out at the same time right right and so that's and so anyway so that's the thing and look i think i think we'll be okay i do um they gotta get they gotta get a quarterback they gotta get a quarterback and they probably have to get another wide receiver well not probably they have to get another wide receiver and they have to fix the offensive line whatever that means whether that means i hope it means keeping on wenu and, you know, kind of going from there. And so, you know, look, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Now, um, I do think Gerard Mayo could be has the has the chance to be a very good head coach. I think we've seen, you know, look, you see a guy like Dan Campbell, right? And Dan Campbell has gotten a ton of shit for years, right? And he's mm-hmm. a joke and he's laughing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, biting ankles and all this other crap. But, like, what he brings to the table is – love for his team and his players and, and and he's serious about that and he talks about that and Gerard Mayo you know there's some old podcast clips of him and I don't remember the the show and I'm not even I didn't recognize the show that he was on but talking about the players and talking about dealing with players and how you need to treat them with love and respect and and come from that place Mm-hmm. And I think that that works. You can see Mike McDaniel doing the same thing in in Miami. Now, of course, Miami's fallen flat on their face the last two years at at the end of the season. But, but that's, you know, that's not coaching. I'll tell you that much. Well, and that's you watch the thing. Games, right. And, and so and so it gets to a point where you look at it and say, you know, is this the way that, you know, can we win with this type of coach? And I think that we can. And, and I I myself look forward to the fact that we're going to have a young coach. We're going to have a young black coach. Like that's, that's I think that's a great thing. I think that's a great, that's thing. A great thing. I think for, he's yeah. he's interviewing a 
you know, defensive coordinator who might be black he's, or who well, is black, but who knows if he'll get the job or not. He's even a special teams coordinator, right? That's a black man. Like the fact that these guys can, I can, we haven't had, we've had a little bit of that here, a little bit, but not a ton. Right. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they're able to see, and I, we always talk about this in education. We always talk about this, that like, there's just not enough. You know what I mean? Like I have 35 teachers in the math department. In my math department, in my high school, I have 35 teachers. We're a very, very diverse school. Zero. Zero of the 35 teachers in the math department are black. And so it's like, it's important. That's important to have. And so it's like, you know, I mean, you can't, if people don't apply, people don't apply. It's tough, but, but it's nice to, it's nice to have that, you know, in, yeah. in the, in the team. Well, and especially, I think one of the the key things with a Gerard Mayo type, you want buy-in from your organization, from everybody all around, right. you know, players, coaches, front office people. Gerard Mayo was a guy who came in and came into the organization, was drafted, played well, and then was given the opportunity. Actually, I, I didn't realize this until this week, was begged to take the opportunity to coach by Bill Belichick, who kept going to his wife and saying he was born to coach. He needs to be in this. Um, and, you know, you get that kind of buy-in internally that, you know, regardless of race or anything like that, you can come in. I uh, provide to that role model internally for everybody on the team to say, hey, if you're good at this, not only are we going to buy into you as a player, but we're going to buy into you beyond that. We're going to buy into you as a human being. And I think Gerard Mayo from all every interaction we've seen with him embodies that attitude. He's all love, respect, um, and that, you know, combined with, you know, being a very, very smart football coach from all the defensive game planning that we've seen. He's also, and as a draft yeah. prospect coming out of what, Tennessee, he was the one of the smartest players in the draft coming out of there. And you yeah. saw that from day one in the NFL with him. Uh, so I can't tell you if Gerard Mayo is going to be a head coach, a good head coach. Uh, you know, it's nobody can tell you if anybody's going to be a good head coach. It's so difficult, but he has a lot of the qualities that I like to see in one. And there's something nice about, you know, if, if you're going to fail, I'd rather fail going out with a guy you trust and a guy, you know, and a guy you respect and a guy who already has good relationships in the building. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And look, I mean, you know, part of it is that he can say to the guys, I'm a Patriot for life. I was drafted by mm -hmm. the team. I retired as a Patriot, never played anywhere else. I've never coached anywhere else. This is my team. This is my home. Right. Yes. And this is what we want to do. And so I think that that, you know, that's powerful. Uh, Megan Onalini just, <laughs> Megan Onalini just tweeted out. I thought it's hilarious. So Bill Belichick, we can get back to Bill Belichick here. Bill Belichick has interviewed for, uh, for the head coaching job and in Atlanta, uh Officially announced by the Falcons now. Officially by announced by the Falcons, which is crazy. Um, that's fascinating to me. I thought for sure it would be Dallas. Philadelphia is losing tonight, which we have the game I on just, the background. Someone said that you yeah. should be watching the game. We are watching the game. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but, but, you know, don't worry. So, But I think Atlanta, we've talked about Atlanta here. I talked about Atlanta months ago um, being a good spot for maybe not months, but a month a month or so ago being a good spot for Belichick um, because that division sucks, because they have so many weapons on offense. You obviously just need a quarterback. But anyways, Megan tweeted out, um, interviewer, thanks for meeting with us, Bill. Can you give an example of a time when it looked like you were totally out of a game only to rally back and win? <laughs> it's just Opening so question. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, just fantastic I don't think stuff. it's. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that that has been announced at halftime of the Eagles Buccaneers game either. That's cool. uh, that very much feels like Falcons are trying to say, "Hey, back off," because they know the Cowboys are going to be coming, right. uh, and they know if the Eagles do lose this game, I have to imagine they're going to be at least thinking about it because you know you saw Jerry Jones after the game yesterday and the quotes he gave, and it took ten minutes after the game for the Adam Schefter tweet about how. People inside the building have been saying that McCarthy will be judged on whatever his last game of the season is. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know that Jerry Jones just sent him a text saying, <laughs> "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go another direction here." Um, right. So, and I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up happening with the Eagles the way this has looked down the stretch either. Yeah. So. Well, and and uh, by the way, uh, Bill Belichick did not interview. Like he didn't go in an interview. He sat in a he sat and met with Arthur Arthur Blank. Like they're not saying, "Hey, you know." Where do you envision yourself in five years? Like that's he not, didn't bring a resume and a cover letter. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No, that's not that's not I, what happened. I, you know. I do I do hope and like you hear the stories about you know Bill taking Rodney Harrison to the was it the ground round the ground round yeah. Up. yeah I hope Arthur Blank took him to like a Waffle House or something and that's <sighs> yeah, where that's exactly so what he should have done. Imagine going to the Waffle House on a Sunday morning. You look over, it's Arthur Blank <laughs> and Bill Belichick in the corner. You're like, oh, okay. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and listen, we'll, I think, we'll yeah. see. I think Atlanta would be a great spot for him, but I think I think Philly is the best spot if he gets along with the GM because he's not getting GM power there. I don't think. I mean, unless they, they would fire the GM here in Philly, but I don't think. I don't think. think I do can't that. imagine they fire Howie Roseman. I can't what, imagine. What I will say, a lot of the issues they've had are because they have continually not invested at safety or linebacker. Um Right. And, you know, you could blame it on the GM, but like the the GM is also the reason why every other spot is pretty good. Right. And I also think, too, like would Bill, if you go to a team like Dallas or Philly, if let's just say he decided to go to one of those places, does he need GM control? Does he need to, you know, if he and Howie are going to work together, he doesn't need to. It's not a rebuild. The no. team is set, right? You know, you need a few pieces on defense, and we can, you know, and he and like he and Howie can talk about, you know, hey, how do we fix the defense, and how do we make, might. you know, this a little bit better, or whatever the case may be. But like, you're set. You have Hertz. You have Smith. You have Brown. What else do you like? You got the offensive line already. Jason Kelsey might retire, but you, you know what I mean. Like, I it might it, it might be a kind of the language of who has final say over the roster type of thing too. Like Howie right. Roseman may stay as GM, but Belichick gets final say over. Right, which is possible. Yeah, which is definitely yeah. possible. And it's and it's. I, I think this is one of the other things too is that it, going back to New England and looking at the whole of the last twenty five years, including this past week, they have kept this veil of secrecy over everything. It is yeah. hard for me to look right now and say give an opinion of how I feel about Matt Groh as a future GM for New England, because we, other than the fact that he's done post-draft press conferences, we don't know exactly what his role is. Right. And I also think, you know, Kraft drops the nugget in that that parting press conference about how Bill didn't get full control over the organization until after the, th- the first three Super Bowls. But we also know that when he came in, he wouldn't come to New England unless he had final say over the roster. Right. So the question is, like, what's in that gap? What else didn't he have control over? What does that full control in that get span look like? What right. other people was he relying on for tasks? And then, you know, how does that extrapolate forward to a future job for Bill in another spot or for the Patriots here? 
in I believe in the entirety of Robert Kraft's tenure as owner, the, the Patriots have never had a GM, or at least he hasn't given out that title. Uh, so they've they've been most of that's Bill Belichick, but they haven't really shied away from um, uh, you know right. non Greer wasn't. You might be right though. They haven't. Shy, I think he was like director of player development or something like that. Like they haven't. They haven't shied away from non traditional structures there. And I honestly don't care what the structure looks like as long as it works. I don't. And I, I think whether it's a front office guy or a head coach having final say over the roster, I don't really care as long as you guys are on the same page about what you want it to look like. You know, right. at, the, at the end of the day, it shouldn't really matter who has the final say because you should both be seeing eye to eye and. You know, it should be like a, it should be like a marriage. You shouldn't have to fight over the decisions. You're coming to the table, both already seeing it the same way. And you know, you got to make roster cuts, and you should probably agree on 52 of the 53 guys already. Right? No, that's true. That's true. Oh yeah. God, they just threw some heinous, <laughs> heinous flag on Tampa. What an oh absolute I'm, joke. I'm Pat. Pat is about a full play ahead of me here, so I'm excited oh to see what happens. God. Just, um, it's just embarrassing. I, it, just, I'm gonna guess it. Roughing it's, the passer? No, he's no, running. No, it's it's the oh. NFL has a serious hat. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, no, never mind. No, it it's offsetting penalties. The NFL has a serious problem with quarterbacks. Protection of quarterbacks is a joke at this point. The Josh Allen thing today is embarrassing. The Josh Allen fakes us fakes a uh, a a, um, a slide, which, by the way, I would do on every single play. I'd do it on every play. Why wouldn't you do it on every play? But then he fakes the slide and scores a touchdown. And then the next time he slides and gets hit because it's like, well, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't slide? And you know, and it's it just is what it is. It, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough. So yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, and I my my opinion on this in general, and it extends beyond QB, but it is mostly a QB thing. Is that um, I I think that they need to give a little more leeway to the defense on physicality for everything but hits to the head. Hits to the head, you know, we we legislate that very closely that. because right. as a defender, even if it's not intentional or malicious or anything, it's your responsibility. If you're initi- in general, if your player is initiating contact, it's your responsibility to keep the head out of it. General rule. Outside Correct. of that. I think if you have the ball and you don't want to be hit, it is for the most part your responsibility to avoid putting yourself in that situation. That means you go out of bounds. That means you go down far enough away from other players that there isn't really an opportunity for contact. I think if there's bang bang plays with the defense, um, we should be letting that play out. And that's nothing annoys me more than the stuff by the sideline, by the way. The, the slide is one thing, but. The sideline is like I, I would give basically one one foot down out of bounds, allowing a hit there as long as like it's it's hard to explain. But the way I legislate it is that if both players are staying on their like original paths and they would hit in bounds, and then one player changes paths at the last second to go out of bounds, and the contact still happens because they're close, right. that should be allowed as long as it's you know not reckless and i yeah. there's going to be a certain degree of subjectivity here the refs have to make sure that defensive players aren't taking advantage of leeway to intentionally injure opponents um like it's not 
if if you're gonna if you're hitting the quarterback as part of your follow through when when he's throwing the ball, that's one thing. If you take two extra steps and lower your shoulder into it, and you're not even trying to slow situation. down, right. it's a very different situation. Even if it would be kind of within the flow of the play, yeah, you gotta you gotta look, you gotta have you have to judge intent a little bit somehow, even though that's impossible to do. <laughs> right, it's tough, and and that's it's part of it. I mean, look, it's difficult. I understand that it's difficult to play to play defense in the NFL as as Tampa gets a ridiculous pass interference call. Um of course to give the Eagles a first down because they got to keep this close. The uh NFL's got to keep this close because the last game was the Monday night game and uh and we got to keep it close. That's when these 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 refs are not not going to be around next these refs will not be around next weekend and neither will the ones from uh the game earlier today I don't think I just don't I don't know. I just I don't get it. for the season so after this. The Julio Jones fumble. I mean, clearly fumbled, and they clearly recovered it. I don't. I don't I thought, see what the problem was. I thought that he recovered it while he was on the ground, and but then he never the actually held the ball. Like the ball was under him. But he, I, well, I guess okay. It looks like he may have grabbed his. I, it's, and then I he slow it down in super super slow motion. He did have his hand on his shoulder, but I don't know if he turned. Man, it's a whole thing. Look, it just is it's, what it is, right? It's one of those things. I mean, they missed the first one. I'm like, what do you? How'd you miss that one? Yeah, right. And so, well, uh, although I guess that was, um, that was what's it called? Uh, that was the first game, the Bills game, when they, when they, when they, uh, the Bills Steelers game. When not, was it Najee that fumbled? No, Pickens fumbled. I don't remember, they missed it. Oh, yeah. Then they had to review it. They they turned it around. Then Fryermuth fumbled. They missed it again. And then they said, no, 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 it wasn't a, you know, the ball was out of bounds or something. So okay. So I there. actually, I thought that was on the broadcasters because I think he was out of bounds. They just yeah. didn't explain it well, because if you're touching somebody who's out of bounds, you're out of bounds. It's the way it works for things like that. When it's like a loose ball recovery situation. I don't think and he, he was, was touching. Was you saying he was touching fire he, when he fell to the ground? Uh, no, when the uh, he was, it wasn't him. I think he was touching his teammate who was standing out of bounds while he was recovering the ball or something. Oh, okay. So maybe you're right. Yeah, I, I maybe Wish I didn't I just, see that part of it. Yeah, but maybe and, you're right. and he was he was also juggling the ball when he first got it, and you really can't tell when he first gets it. So I also understand why you stay with the call on the field. Yeah, which is true. Which is true. Yeah. So I just, anyways, it, I just you my, know like whatever my, my the biggest, refs are the refs. You know, my, my biggest gripe with officiating too is that the refs can be can be bad or they can disrupt the flow of the game, but they can't do both. If you're going right. to be not, if you're not going to be great at it and you're going to miss calls, do it to a point where the game keeps its flow. But like a game where like every single third down, everybody's it's looking around for a flag right. to see if you're going to advance the ball. It's just not fun for anybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I can, it's a difficult, it's a difficult sport to ref. There's a lot going on, and I think the NFL could do more to help out the refs. But with the situation we have now, it's it's got to either be entertaining or high quality. You got to get you got to click it, take at least one of those boxes. Yeah, and I do think like I think pre-stat penalties, like they missed the uh, was it the Browns game? What the hell game was it that I was watching yesterday? Uh, maybe it was yesterday that I was watching. So it definitely was the Browns, uh, where the guy like they called false start, but it was actually offsides. Oh. And it yeah. was just like it was out. It was really two guys out. possibly miss that? And so, like though pre-snap penalties should be able to be reviewed. If you want to throw, you know, if I want to throw the challenge, like, like for instance, as an example, the Philly special. Okay, Philly special happens. The play gets cut. I throw the flag. 
that was, you know, that right legal there formation. was a legal formation. And they can go back and review that and say, oh, that was a legal formation, five-yard penalty, no play. And, like, uh, it sounds stupid, but, like, those things matter. Those things, so they, that, that changes the entire game. And it's all because the ref just missed it, just missed the fact that, that you know, it was a legal formation. And that's, it's and that's inexcusable yeah. to miss that. And, and that that's one of the areas where they shouldn't miss. And that's, again, right. I, I'm going to keep calling for it. I think the simplest solution to this is to have a ref in the booth or in the box or whatever. Some kind of video ref who has the same right. officiating power in game as anybody else who has the ability to call down to the field and say, hey, this happened or you missed this or right. whatever. And yeah. that ref, because they're up in a box and should also have kind of TV replay on or whatever, like they can watch replays in live time should be able to do like the video assist where they call down after play has happened and said, Hey, they lined up illegally on that one. Um, we're going to drop a flag and, and go back. Right. Um, and so Edward, and if, Edward, if you do that, well, if you do that too, from the TV and, and viewership perspective, you don't need to go through the whole, like, we're going to watch the play happen. We're going to watch right. two replays. We're yeah. going to cut to a shot of the sideline to see if they're going to throw the flag. Oh, they threw the flag. We're going to bring up the challenge right. graphic. We're going to go show the replay five more times. We're going to go to commercial <laughs> break. We're going to come back. We're going to find out what happened. Ideally, you get that whole thing done before you even get to the shot of the coach on the sideline. Correct. Yeah. And so, so Edward's saying, you know, all plays should be looked at when in question. And I don't disagree necessarily. The problem that I have with that is that you can call holding on every play. You can call pass interference on every play. You can call legal contact. You can call it all on every play. And so it's like if you slow it down and look at it enough, you can call anything on any play, right? And so yeah. it becomes really difficult to say, okay, well, was that pass interference or not? Well, I don't know. It was close, but was it? You know, and then we're throwing challenge flags on passing the fears. Like, I, I don't want that. I don't. I don't yeah. want that. Right for, for so, the sub, for the subjective but, calls, you shouldn't be reviewing those. I don't think. Right, but like you said, if you have a guy in the booth, and the guy gets completely tackled, for perfect example, uh, uh, the uh, hail mary against the against the Eagles, where three Patriots off, uh, you know, uh, wide receivers get tackled on the way to the on the way to the uh, end zone. You're mm-hmm. like, well, wait, you can't just tackle the guy. Look, that's a penalty. But I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that litigated. I don't want to see the coach throw a challenge flag. And I don't want to see that. You know, if the guy in the booth can say, "Hey, that was a flag. Throw the flag. Bam, we done. it's done." You know, like well, I got no problem with that. And I think there has to be a certain kind of common sense barrier applied here too. In that, if if this infrastructure works and you got enough people in the box, then anything that's obvious you're going to catch. And then if the, that means that the ones you're leaving out are the ones that are so close right. that you're okay with that stake. If it's yeah. if it's in that 60-40 range or whatever, and we're not quite sure, it's close. So like, all right, we'll leave that. But if it's like if it's one of those things where somebody's gonna watch it on the TV and go, Oh wow, that happened. No flag. We right. those are the ones we should be we should be catching quickly. And um, yeah. you know, the the reverse of it is true. If somebody's throwing a flag on something but somebody has a better angle, you know, we gotta be good about making sure it gets picked up too. Yeah, that that said, I don't think the NFL is going to make serious, serious changes here. They might a little bit, but, you know, as long as people are watching, I don't see why they're going to invest more money in this until it starts to impact the media coverage too negatively, impact 
you know, the number of people who gamble on games, which I don't see that going down anytime soon. Well, which sucks. Uh, the numbers because, are going up, so there's no reason yeah, for them to invest more in this. Which sucks because they, they have an opportunity to improve the product. And instead of improving the product, they're just staying with the status quo because, well, we're making money. It's who cares? Simpler. Well, and know, that's just like, and that's annoying. And that, that same argument also goes for the, uh, you know, the whole field playing surface discussion. You yep. know, if a, a well-kept grass field is the best playing surface there is and all of the teams have the money to do it so the only reason you wouldn't is because you choose to have a, a, a worse playing surface for monetary reasons which in a lot of these cases has to do with non-football things playing into that uh, and i think just pushing for more of that um guess what I, somebody noticed that they they have a new surface at gillette stadium coming in yep guess it's what not grass though right Patriots might be playing on grass full-time i don't I don't think so. Not right. Not yet. Lionel Messi is coming in April. Messi is Messi wants to play on grass. They also want the World Cup, and this is this is the big one. They want the World Cup. The World Cup, you have to have a grass surface. Well, it's not just you any cannot grass. Have, it's no, no. You cannot there's have some, there's grass. some like super highly regulated right types you of grass. grass on top of turf. You have to have a fully grass field in mm-hmm. order to get uh, a World Cup there. And so if the if the if Gillette wants a World Cup, if Kraft wants a World Cup, which he does, well, it's coming. They're they're already in the thing. Well, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? So, but so this you is, know that that's coming. See, so I, I do wonder, Pat, like, are you gonna go Pat, with a fully grass? I think we all know it's gonna happen though. They're gonna do a new turf this year and they're gonna keep that through the World Cup and after football season ends in 2025, they're going to switch out grass for 2026 for the World Cup and then tear that up and put the turf back down before football season. Okay. Well, there you go. That's that's what I think is going to happen because at Gillette Stadium, they love having Monster Jam and all the concerts there. And, Which is true. That is true. Yeah. And I just, no. I don't I think it's a shame because you look at some of the things they've, they, they have all the hybrids now, the, the grass and turf hybrid that you get the strength of the turf and it doesn't wear out as, as badly, but you still get the softness and health stuff from the natural grass. Uh, yeah. And that's what they have in green Bay and it's fantastic. And they're able to keep it green right. all season long and growing. It's just an expensive endeavor. And yep. Yep. I agree. So, all right. Uh, so let's get into, do you want to do Well, we have, we have your mock draft that I want to spend a few minutes on. We also want to talk about um, the, uh, the playoffs. Let's, let's take a quick break. And I, can I, can I, can we do one more topic before we do that? Sure. We had a question here that mentioned it too about the Patriots going outside the org to interview for DC and special teams coach. Yes. Yep. I I have one note on the special teams thing before we go to defensive coordinator. It's actually kind of two notes. The first is that as far as we know, Joe Judge and Cam Acord still have jobs. Nobody has said that they're fired. So unless their contracts expire, they're still on staff. So saying publicly we're interviewing for your replacement, I'm very curious what's going on right there. And I'm sure we're going to find out pretty quickly, whatever happens. Um, second thing is this special teams coordinator got a request from the giants to be their special teams coordinator three days ago. And the Falcons refused to let him interview for it. Now the Patriots requested, we're going to find out if the Falcons allow him to be interviewed or not. But now Bill Belichick just interviewed with the Falcons. And I do wonder if this guy has been told in the last three days, if Bill comes in, your job's not safe. Right. And maybe now they let him interview for it. I don't know. Um, 
The Falcons were one spot ahead of the Patriots in DVOA this year on special teams, and they also had a struggling kicker, and their top returner got hurt. So it was basically the exact same situation we had here. And the flip side, I know people in Atlanta love him. One of the the Falcons reporters, Taylor Kyles, was was talking to, was really bummed at the thought that he might go. So guessing there's something the underlying numbers aren't picking up on him because he kind of keeps getting promoted at all the spots he's at. So that is interesting. And then the defensive coordinator thing, we all kind of assumed that it was going to be Covington coming up. And I know they got they have to interview outside the organization as well, but I do wonder if this is a guy who ends up on staff in New England in some capacity and if right. Covington ends up following Bill too. Yeah. And I, I, that's a good point. Um, I am interested to kind of see what happens there because Covington is a guy on the rise, right? He was the head coach of the, uh, of the Shrine Bowl game. Um, and so I do think that that's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating thing to see what, where it goes and what happens there. I just, I wonder, like, this guy's got an interesting pedigree. He's coached all over the place. He coached in BC. He's coached in, in Carolina, which like BC, the last year he was at BC was not great. The last year in Carolina was not great. But like the, those two teams had like historically bad offenses, both of those teams. And yeah, so the defenses weren't the issues. You know, yeah. the defenses may not have been great, but when you're put in a bad situation every single drive, it's not ideal. Right. And so, um, you know, but he's, he's coached in a million different places. He's coached in San Francisco. He's coached in like four or five different places in in the NFL and coached um obviously in some different places in college and so I do think mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of see what he what he can do and what he can bring in and at the very least like you say you know what type of player can he oh my goodness <laughs> oh boy I don't know what I'm about to say but he he played at uh he played at Colgate he played at Colgate and he yep. coached at Rutgers and URI too so this is a guy who's been all around the northeast Oh boy, I feel like this is going to be a pick six of some kind, or maybe a safety. I love it. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. What an absolutely horrendous play by Jalen. I have no idea what What in the world Jalen Hurts was thinking. He just was at the four yard line and then ran back into the end zone, pump faked. And, like, what the hell was he thinking? And that, yeah. And we're going to uh, – that play, when we get when we talk about the wild card stuff after the break, I got some – we'll have to talk about some stuff because that this play is going to start to get into this. But I also want to add, well, we're talking the coordinator stuff and before we take a break. Yeah. Albert Breer had said earlier today, I believe it was Albert Breer, that uh, they're going to look outside the organization for offensive coordinator and they're going to cast a wide net. So yep. – we're hearing stuff slowly start to come in. Um, you know, the Patriots run a tight ship. So I suspect that we're going to hear things when they want us to hear them. And, and that's we're going to get impatient because it's not going to be on our timeline. But it does sound like they are handling this with a lot of care internally. And it might not be what we all want on the outside, but they also are putting a lot of due process into this. And they're letting Mayo yeah. have a, at least us say we don't know who's making the final calls. But Mayo is part of the decision making process. And. I'm curious to see where they end up landing on this because, you know, you watch, you watch that Packers game, and we can get into the Packers game after the break. All of the Packers starters were drafted by Green Bay. Only yep. one of them was taken in the first round, and that was Jordan Love, and that was a guy who went mid to late first. 
who right. sat for three years or four years before he played or whatever it was. Um, Jaden so Reed, getting, Brontavian Wicks. I mean, you go down the line, man. Oh, Christian they Watson, got two. Like, both of their both of their tackles are day three guys. That's yeah. what they have. They've managed to get there. Um, so I think you look at that, and it's that's what a good offensive coaching staff can do for you and good development and a really good organizational vision. You don't have that happen unless you go into the draft knowing exactly what you want, draft right. for those guys, and then develop them and yep. continue them along that curve. And they've nailed it uh, in a lot of different spots totally. there. Yeah. So you, you see that, and it's I, I don't, I'm not totally against the idea of hiring, of bringing Bill O'Brien back or bringing in a Josh McDaniels, but I don't think we should be married to that. I think you got to go in with an open mind and Go for the guy who you think is the best offensive mind. Go for a guy who you think can couldn't agree more. Create an offense and elevate players and has a vision for it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So all right, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk uh, about wildcard weekend and your mock draft as well. Uh we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline.ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, we are back from break. Uh, and this game is getting out of control, and I'm loving every second of it. I just looked away uh, for a second. Tampa just scored. Yep, Trey Palmer, 56-yard uh, touchdown. Uh, if they show the replay, he just broke one tackle, and then see you later. This Off to is, the house. Defensively for Philly, this is an organizational failure we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah. your, your, your defensive coordinator leaves. You promote a new guy up. He isn't good. Mid-season, you swap to another guy. And, you know, I, I think we can blame Matt Patricia for a lot here, and I'm perfectly fine to throw him under the bus at any point. Right. But also, you don't get to this point defensively. if you know, They're clearly not practicing tackling. I mean, when's, the, la- when's no. the last time these guys had live tackling drills? That's an August issue. That's This is something you work on in camp, and they can't do it in January. Right. You know, that's... They got no attitude on defense. All of that goes up to the old defensive coordinator. It goes up to the head coach to a degree. I think it goes up to the GM for the type of guys that they're bringing in. Um, but yeah, you know, that's talk about a turnaround from where they were at this point last season. And yep. it falls on the, the leadership of that team. Uh, and why, why are you swapping a, a defensive coordinator in the middle of the season like that? And not only that, you're swapping to a defensive, like for all the issues they had under Desai, 
He was a scheme fit for the players they had. What Matt Patricia likes to do is not what these players like to do. So now you're trying to run a defensive scheme these guys don't know and haven't practiced cold turkey when it's not a fit for the players midstream. Like how how bad must things have been internally that you thought that was the best option is the question I ask. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. So, yep. So we'll say it's so good. I'm, I'm a big fan. Big fan of what's going on over there. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's get into let, – let's do the – let's blow through the wild card weekend. I'm sorry. Super wild card weekend. Can't I hate it. Super, there. super wild card weekend because it's not just wild card weekend. It's super wild card weekend. It's such a forced term. It's so stupid. I hate it. It's so stupid. And so uh, the Patriots did something this year that no team had done, and I forget what it was, and it was like four times. I forget what it was. It was like it's only been going on for – I forget. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. They did something, and it was like, yeah, it's happened like four times total. And so the Patriots did it. Uh, and I, I, for the life of me, can't remember what the hell it was. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The Cowboys have now done something that no one else has ever done, and it's only the, the what second or third year of it going. And that means the number two seed losing to a number seven seed. I think we should start there because that one is so much fun to me. I just feel like everyone knew it was coming. Everyone knew it was I coming. Didn't. Everyone I pre- knew it was going to suck. And they sucked it, and it was fantastic. Well, I think the thing that was most shocking to me is that the Cowboys have been a genuinely very good team this year. And that game got out of hand in large part because like, their first three drives ended because their best three offensive players all made huge mistakes. And obviously, though, the defense was super soft, and that's a reason why stalling out at the beginning of the game turns into a 21-0 deficit um, or 20-0 deficit. But man, it's just good players coming up super small. CD Lamb has been one of the top receivers in the NFL all season and was the key to this Cowboys offense playing. Well yeah, at nothing. And then defensively, Stephon Gilmore got picked on at points in this sure game man coverage. Yep. Um, and that is wow. I mean, they were Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore were the guys that were supposed to elevate this team. You got Gilmore getting gotten getting picked on by a rookie, and you've got Brandon Cooks out there getting boxed out by a, by a guy, and the, the ball gets picked off on a slant. So I just they, they these guys worked in the regular season, and it's just melted down in the playoffs. And for once, I actually thought the Cowboys had enough talent to overwhelm that difference, and uh, they just they got out executed and out coached all at once. Yeah, it was wild. So that was a fun game. I had Packers plus seven. Yeah. You had Cowboys minus seven. I hit that one, which is nice. Um, <laughs> We can go back. And by the way, Jordan Love, like, and I think it was um, somebody, who the heck was it? Uh, I mean, a million people tweeted tweeted stuff out, but it was uh, one of our guys, um, Austin Gale, tweeted out, like, you know, going from going from Favre to Rogers to Love, like, is is awful. Like, they just send in, like, the, he said, like, send them to, I, I don't I forget what exactly he said, but it was just ridiculous. Like, the fact that, that, Love looks this good. He doesn't just look good. He looks outrageously good. The poise that he showed. I mean, I think for me, maybe it's just the Mac Jones effect watching him the last couple seasons. But in some ways, to me, the most impressive trait is when a quarterback can just stand in there, know he's going to get hit and rip a missile to a receiver. Yeah. And how many times in the first quarter alone did it seem like the giant, not the giant, the Cowboys had him dead to rights Mm -hmm. and they had the play stopped Mm -hmm. and he was able to make a throw to a guy who was inexplicably wide open down the field and right. convert on third down. 
And well, just he, time and time again. Yep. And you talk about the young guys, right? Dontavian Wicks, a fifth round pick this year, who actually the last wide receiver taken before Pukunakua. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, a second a second uh, year player who I think was a fifth sixth round pick, and in Nevada, Chris, yeah, Christian I, Watson who was a second round pick. Um, you know, like yeah. you, you keep going, like you go they down the keep, line, yeah. and you're like they just keep and and they drafted. You know, they did the same two thing they just did in 2020 when they drafted two tight ends, except they hit on both of them. Musgrave looks really good, and so doesn't Tucker Craft. And you're like, man, like they just, you know, and again, you get wide receivers around you, and that makes things a lot easier. And of course, you have a good quarterback throwing you the ball, but like. You know, they these guys can make plays. They're athletic. They do things, and so um, man, that's yeah. they're they're a a good team, a fun team, and they're going into San Fran. And I can't imagine them winning in San Francisco, but yeah. the way they played, you never yeah. know. I mean, I don't think it's well, going to happen, but you never know. Well, I think one of the other things that was important, and you you saw it on that. I think it was Dontavian Wicks who caught the touchdown on that that kind of in breaker post yes. down the seam. Um, that play was a great example of they just cracked the code on the Dallas defense. In a lot of ways, modern NFL defenses almost work like a set of logic problems. Um, it's it's less so what you see in Madden where you're just saying, hey, do this one thing. It's more so asking right. the defender to, to look at a bunch of if-then statements in his head and look at what the offense is doing, figure out which one applies, and then execute it. And it looked like the Packers figured out what those were and then just put guys into spots where they could manipulate who was going to be covering who and then make sure that whoever was in that matchup was somebody who would get an advantage out of it. And that Wicks touchdown was the perfect example. And Greg Olson did a great job of breaking it down. How you, you Gilmore is out wide because you have a receiver out wide and you motion a receiver inside and Gilmore moves in, but not all the way in because he still has to defend outside. And then because the receiver comes in, an internal defender takes him, which means that Gilmore is responsible for the guy who was inside before, but he is outside. And then that guy throws something over the middle, and Gilmore, who three seconds ago was trying to cover a guy who's outside the numbers, is now trying to cover something at the post. Yeah. Uh, just because you're, you're able to draw that up pre-snap, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, really, really good stuff there. And I don't think San Francisco's defense has holes like that. I don't think they're that easy to manipulate, but if they are, we're going to find out Saturday night. Got that right. Yep. So, all right, let's go back to the beginning, the first game mm-hmm. of the weekend on, on Saturday. Oh, I was so wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We're stupid. We're all stupid. All of us are stupid. We thought the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns, we thought the Cleveland Browns were going to win a road playoff game? That's insanity. See, That's insanity. I'm just, well, they did. Here's the thing. My last real memory of like the Browns in the playoffs was when they went to Pittsburgh and blew them out and then were yeah. competitive with Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I think that was the AFC Championship game. And it may have been the divisional round. Um, okay. But they, they were competitive with them in that game. My last memory of the Texans in the playoffs, I don't remember if it was actually the last game they were in, but it feels like they were was when they came into all those. Uh, no, they, they came to New England a couple times in there and were not competitive. Oh, I think back no. to 2012, yeah. I think back to 2016. They were, I maybe it was like, it might have been 2016, it might have been 2017. They had like a road game. Oh, no, they hosted the Raiders when Derek Carr got hurt. That's what it was. Yeah. It's the last time they looked semi-decent in the playoffs, I think. So, to me, the Texans are the team that's been worse in the playoffs as of late. And I just kind of... Yeah. It's just the Browns. They lost, did they lose to the Josh Allen Bills, too? In 
2019, 2020. Yeah, he had some outrageously, uh, some game outrageously was like, bad interception or fumble or whatever. I think they actually beat I don't, Didn't they beat I don't, him with like TJ Pinder or something? Like, uh, no, TJ Pinder's TJ right. Pinder's TJ Yates. Yes, Yates. I'm, 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 I've realized that I've done this entire thing and I've actually forgotten the real last time the Texans were relevant in the playoffs because they did win that game. They went to Kansas City and went up 24 nothing. That's right. And then lost. lost. That's right. And not only did they yes. lose, they got blown out after yeah. being up 24 yeah. nothing. So, yeah, no, the Texans to me are this team that goes to the playoffs and loses. The I know, but they have Stroud now. The Browns are still the Browns. You know, I thought so. that Browns defense was going to carry them, and they did not. Yeah. Uh, shout out to CJ Stroud. We'll see hey, if it continues for in Houston. Baltimore. No shot they beat Baltimore, but good for Houston. I good wouldn't Houston say and... that. They played week one, and it was a very competitive I game. Know, but Baltimore is just a wagon right now. Man. Yeah, I think Baltimore has improved since then, and I think they're going to beat them. But the fact that this has been kind of close and competitive once, when it was Stroud's first ever game in the NFL on the road against yeah. that defense. True. True. I don't think he's scared of the bright lights. So I think yeah. this this might be close for three quarters at least. Of, you know, we end up being 10 points in the fourth. That's a great point. So the second game, we don't even have to talk about I mean, honestly, the second game of the weekend, it's like we don't even have to talk about it. We knew exactly what was going to happen. Everyone knew exactly what was going to happen. The Dolphins going to go into my to uh to um uh Arrowhead. Friggin Arrowhead. Thank you. I was trying to say Geha Field or whatever it is. And, yeah, whoever it's my it's Arrowhead. Um and get their doors blown off by the Chiefs. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. They weren't shut I me. Mean, it was it was a joke. It was a well, joke of a game. And and, and the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs had some fun with it and crushed them. Well, they got a the Dolphins look at that team composition. Their offensive line is awful. They've only won running the ball this year because they yep. can do it schematically. It's not because the guys mm-hmm. are good. Mm-hmm. And their quarterback. It's just not that athletic. Uh, right. He doesn't elevate the team around him. He's not a bad quarterback, but he does not elevate the guys around him at all. He doesn't create or anything. So every single play is essentially decided based on what the pre-snap look is and if you called the right play for the situation. That's right. what the Dolphins do, and yep. it's a lot easier to win in those situations when it's week four and nobody knows what your tendencies are Correct. when you've played 17 games and everybody knows what you want to do. Oh, you're playing if, inside or, or, or in warm weather or whatever. Right. Yeah, and defensively, all their guys got hurt. Like they, yeah. everybody on the edge got hurt for them. And against the, this Kansas City team, that's basically the worst thing that could have happened to you, uh, especially in the game. It's going to be this physical. And you know, I kind of thought Isaiah Pacheco was going to carry a lot of the day because who the hell wants to tackle that guy when it feels like it's negative twenty five degrees out? Because right. you know, he's not feeling it. He was going to run right through your face. Yeah, and. Who thought they were that the Dolphins were going to be able to do anything on offense? You know, their only chance was going to be to somehow find a way to run the ball. I think because two is not going to throw well in that weather. And from the first snap, you could see the offensive line wasn't about it, and that was the ball game. Right, right, yeah, I know it's and that's so. It was great to see, and and look, I think at a certain point you have to wonder like, it can that Miami team get over the hump? You talking about the Miami Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since 2001, 2000 season, but 2001, it's been 23 years since they won a playoff game. And so they've been good and they've gotten there, but they just, they don't have enough. And they and need it's a new crazy. quarterback. They need that, a new quarterback. That's, well, and so that's, that's Ashton, what Ashton just said, let Miami pay that over QB. Like yeah. they're going to have to make don't, a decision on two of this year. And that's the thing is that like, I just, I, I, 
I think that this team got as far as they did because Mike McDonald is a crazy, crazy good head coach and very good at what he does. And that roster had obvious holes and it was just going to catch up with them at some point. Um, If if you have a quarterback in the NFL in 2024 who can't create out of structure, then your entire offense is only as good as what your structure is plus uh, your ability to create, um, you know, to turn 50-50 plays into positive things. Right, which kind of is a game by game basis. You're only going to have a couple of those plays every game, and if, if all of them go for you, then you're going to have a chance to win. But um, that was that's been the issue with with the early, not the early, but like the the McVeigh offenses under Jared Goff. They weren't bad. They were just only as good as the offense designed was. And yep. that Patriots Rams Super Bowl, the Rams offense got figured out uh, by I think it was the Bears and the Lions back to back earlier that season. Yeah, and after that, people, anybody who could run that scheme and picked up on it on tape ran that, and they played a lot worse. And by the Super Bowl, you know, they knew they had no, they had nothing on it. Um, you watch the the NFL films clips of Bill Belichick on the sidelines of that game, and it's, you know, they're up by seven, and the Rams are trying to drive to go tie the game. And they got no shot. No panic at ever. Yeah. And no point does anybody on that defense think the Rams are scoring. Right. Belichick literally comes over and he goes, we know what they're going to do. Everybody yep. just, you know, go out there and do what we practiced and we're going to be good. Right. And that's other than a screen pass to Brandon Cooks on like the first play that almost got picked off. Yep. That's they they got stopped on that last drive. So that's where Miami feels at this point. And I think I'm curious uh, as a football fan, not a Patriots fan. I'm curious to see what the next steps are because they're in a really weird position. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. They need a better quarterback if they want to get better. That is their next step. I don't know how they get there, and I don't know what they're going to do with their cap space because I don't think they have much. I think they're over the cap for next year. I think so, so too. By the way, Zion McCollum, Zion McCollum is is playing forty chess right now. Okay, Zion McCollum is a corner for the for the Buccaneers. Okay, let me just tell you I about liked him in the draft. I love Zion McCollum. By the way, he's an he's absolute fast. He's a freak, absolute freak. Yeah. But let me tell you why he's playing forty chess. Okay, this man. Went offsides, or I'm sorry, lined up offsides on an extra point attempt. Mm-hmm. Hit the extra point attempt. Okay. The Eagles said, let's take that extra yard. We'll do the tush push or the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. And we'll get two points instead of one. What did they do? They stuffed Stopped them. it. The, the Eagles just attempted a field goal. Fourth and ten. Zion McCollum, once again, lined up offsides. <laughs> he hit the field goal. Well, what did they do? They took the penalty, wiped the three points off the board, went for the touchdown, didn't get it. And so twice, twice this man is lined up offsides. But and that's worked it's out for out, them. It, right, it's wiped out points. So that's four points that, that Philadelphia yeah. would have that they don't have now because yeah. uh, of Tampa's defense stepped up after. Yeah. So just and man, I don't even, man, 40 chess. I don't even hate Philly's decision-making there either. It's just one no. of those where, like, the players have to execute it, and yep. they're not. That's yep. the thing with Philly; they haven't. This is we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the wild card discussion. But one of my takeaways from this is, you know, what teams are looking for new quarterbacks? I think Miami needs to be considering it. Pittsburgh, obviously, after the way they lost, needs to be considering it. Cleveland, yeah. I have no idea. They cannot get rid of that Deshaun Watson contract, so they should be looking for a new one, but they will not be. I don't think, right. unless you draft somebody in the middle and. um mid rounds and just have an actual QB competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other team here, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but 
I'm not going to put all the blame on him because of all the disarray we have seen in Philadelphia. But I think it's fair to have some questions about where Jalen Hurts is. He's not a bad quarterback, but it's hard to look at the way he's played and say he's like a top 10 quarterback. And if you got a guy who's in that 11 to 15 range as a starter, how much do you pay him? Do you want to pay him? Because Jalen Hurts does do things out of structure and he does elevate you in certain ways that other guys do not. But you also haven't necessarily seen the consistency with him. He's already been paid, sir. He's already been paid. But I mean, like, where you go with this going forward? Like, do you keep paying him or do you. He got a five year extension through 2028. He's already paid. I I know that. I'm saying, do you keep paying him? Yeah, you're saying, like, trade him, move on, and do it in Jerry Goffin. Which I don't think you're, you're – that's not a discussion you actually have until after next season at until the after next season. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that's one of those where, you know, it's – he's not the reason that the Eagles are where they are, and he's done some really good stuff to help them win ballgames. Uh, and he, he has unique aspects to his game that are hard to defend. But there yeah. are moments in his game that make you question how high his ceiling is, where he sure. is in the development curve. And yeah. um, that's we've point. seen the Eagles before – they are very willing to move off guys if they don't think he's the guy. They drafted Jalen Hurts with Carson Wentz still on the roster. They're not going to hesitate to rip the Band-Aid off if they, they lose confidence in him. So. 100%. Yeah. And that's the right move, by the way. You have to yeah. be able to do that with the quarterback. Well, so. And I, I think if you're asking the question, is our guy our franchise quarterback, by the time they're done with their rookie deal, you have your answer to that question. I'm I'm very much a proponent of like, you should be very aggressive with the quarterback situation because you can never be too good at the position Uh, and being mediocre or just good can be a ticket to always being in the divisional round and never further. hundred percent. It's my guy, Austin Gale. I already mentioned that's what he always, a good quarterback is the worst thing you can have in the NFL. So, all right, um, let's go to the bills game, Bills Steelers game. Uh, And this is to quote, to quote the great Dan Shaughnessy. This was the March of the Tomato Cans. The Steelers never had a real chance of beating the of beating the Bills. They're a joke. They were the Steelers stink. They're not good. The Bills kind of bills it up for a little while. They kept it close. They made some stupid mistakes. They you know kept the Steelers in the game. And the Steelers are well coached and they play hard and they you know do all the things. But like they didn't really have a chance against the Bills. They didn't cover the ten points spread, which we both picked Steelers plus ten. I kind of held my nose on that one and just said was ten points. Like that's a lot. Um, but they ended up winning by 14. But I just – next week is going to be really interesting, right? You got Kansas City going into Buffalo. Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. has never won, has never even played, never mind won, has never even played a road playoff game. So that's going to be really interesting uh, to kind of see what they do uh, and how he does in that situation. I think it's going to be – I don't know who the hell I'm going to root for. Uh, but <laughs> – but Kansas City, I guess Kansas City, because I, I, I can't, I'm, I can't root for the Bills. Well, and, and not only that, the fact that we've seen this is the, the last five times the two teams have met. I think have been in Kansas City, um, like they just keep playing there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just schedule and, quirks and stuff, and they've played three exactly. playoff games there, right? And the Bills finally getting them at home and finally having the opportunity to get over the hump and, and losing, losing anyway, anyway is hysterical to me. Hilarious. I'm not worried about these Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I just and they have to. I mean, I don't think they're going on the road to Baltimore and getting yeah. them this year. And I don't think they could be Baltimore and San Francisco in back to back games. I agree. So and I would mention that. Knockout. 
Yeah, I want to knock out the Bills in funny fashion. Yeah. Ashton mentioned Tom and walked out of his press conference. That's exactly what happened. They said, uh, they're like, any more questions? And some lady was like, I don't know who it was. Some lady was like, so Mike, you're on your last year of your deal. And he just like walked out. As soon as <laughs> he, he, saying, as soon as he heard the word out. last year, he was gone. He didn't was hear so the name of the question. I absolutely uh, but that's it. But look at the NFL this year. I mean, Belichick out. Uh, yep. We're probably looking at Mike McCarthy out. Yep. It feels Carroll like we're looking out. at Nick Sirianni out. Pete Carroll's out. We yep. might see Mike Tomlin yeah. out. Is that if are we speculating about this now as a thing? Um yeah. It and also I, it's so funny. People I just think it's hysterical. People hate Taylor Swift so much, and I just don't I don't understand why they hate Taylor Swift so much. And I she, think it's because she's she's on she's always shown, I guess. But like she's out there supporting. What I think is really interesting. She's she is out there in negative degrees swag surfing with the crowd. She is a she's a real fan. Right. Like that's that's, it's great. Like that's I don't know why you're pissed about that. Like I get, you know, I get you don't like our music, whatever. But like, you know, it just is what it is. I do think it's funny. Simone Biles doesn't get mentioned. She does occasionally, but she doesn't get shown and mentioned all the time. Because nobody knows who Jonathan Owens is. That's true. That is true. But Haley Steinfeld, Haley Steinfeld, they, they must be keeping that under wraps, and Haley Steinfeld must not That's be at the games because that must be. It's been like a couple year thing. Like, yeah, not under wraps. Keep that very, I mean, like you know, they keep it private. She, that's what I mean. Like she must not be at the games and supporting him and stuff like that. Maybe she is. I don't know, but like she's certainly not front and center like Taylor is, right? And Taylor's out there supporting them, and like I think it's great. I think it's great. It's it's fun. It's cute. Like they're they're having a good time and they're and they're enjoying ourselves and and they're celebrating each other, and so. You know, look, I, I know it's annoying at times for people. It's just annoying the fact that they mentioned it so much, right? They mention her so much. That can be like, all right, you don't have to show her every time, right? But, you know, it's not her fault. She's at the game. What do you want her to do? You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, you know, so it is what it is. And and I, my kids love Taylor Swift. So, like, whatever, I got no problem with her and, and it's fine. So I love, love her. Um. Anyways, all right. So that's, so we'll see what happens next week. I'm rooting Chiefs. I think you're rooting Chiefs too, but the Bills, as I said, it's a tomato can game. It means nothing. It means nothing. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't it just doesn't matter. So, and and by the way, if I watch a Taylor Swift, yes, if a Taylor Swift con- a concert was on, and then there was a break in between, like they, they're not showing her during the play, they're showing her between they, plays. What are they going to do? I was, like I was at I was at the same Taylor Swift show that I believe Aaron Rodgers was at, and. All anybody on Twitter was talking about was that Aaron Rodgers was there and they kept showing clips of this. This is a thing that happened. Right. They're not showing Taylor Swift at the game itself, I don't think, except for maybe once on the Jumbotron. This is the TV version of it. She was, people she like was, her. So She was in New England for the Patriots game. She They showed Taylor Swift on the screen one time. That's it. Once. And it's like she was on there for she's 30 like, seconds and see you later. She's like, you know what I mean? She's like the, the most famous woman in the world. Like, right, right. <laughs> So it just is what it is. I get the yeah. I get the media stuff and, and the fact they show on the TV. I understand that, but they're trying to keep eyeballs on the screen. Yeah. After, let me tell you something. My girls, my girls are twelve and ten now. My twelve year old loves the Patriots, and she's been to three games this year, and so she's becoming a Patriots fan. My ten year old's paying attention to the to the to the NFL this year. She's actually paying attention. She knows who the teams yeah. are. She knows who's playing. Do you know why? Because Taylor Swift is at the is at, is at the games, so she knows who the Chiefs are, and she knows who Patrick Mahomes and. And uh, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. She knows all these people because of Taylor Swift. This is what the NFL is doing. That's why they're doing it. It's fun to have more fans involved. Right. I always love it. Um, It's great, you know. And not only only are they involved, 
but they're starting to learn more. Then they're asking they're questions and they're like, oh yeah, this guy, oh yeah, I know that guy, and this guy did this, and oh my god, look at that guy, and he's you know, oh number number 14 for the Bills, that guy's pretty good. And like, and so all of a sudden they're learning the players, and and so that to me is great. It's, and you know, and it's it starts off and it. they become more difficult, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm I'm also sure if I sure that there are people who I, mean, I think it's fair to get a little bit tired of the constancy of it at points yes. in the way the NFL right. kind of yep. hangs onto her coattails and I also suspect that by next season um, things are going to be a lot more reserved about it because it's still relatively new for most of the people involved and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah all right, should we do the do we, do we hit all the playoff games uh, yeah. oh no Rams lines that's the last one we didn't touch on I was Oh. So happy for the city of Detroit. I was really hoping that Matt Stafford was going to lead a game-winning drive at the end there, just because I think that would have been really fun. so. Right. So you hit. So you hit Rams Lions. You picked the Rams plus three. I picked the Lions minus three because I was like, I can't. You know, obviously you hit the 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 Rams pick because they they covered the spread. But I was so convinced that the Lions were going to lose that game. I'm just like, just they, man, this team. I'm like, I I. You know, I don't really care about the Lions, but like they've been suffering for so long. They haven't won a freaking playoff game in 30 years. Like it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Over and so, that. right. And so you look at it and you're like, my God, man. And they've lost in all of these heartbreaking ways. And I'm like, but they haven't done this yet. <laughs> they haven't lost to Matthew Stafford, who's the best quarterback in their history, in, you know, in their first pre uh, home game playoff games in 1993 so i was like i was convinced at the end of the game they were going to lose and of course they didn't thank goodness and held on and won um but it becomes it becomes that situation where you look at it and say like man this is uh this is really really fun the fact that they're still doing this and the fact that they're still right. there and uh and so i love the way we'll see how the it way goes it they're playing the winner of this game but tampa, tampa well, Bay, i love, that, I love the way it happened win. could be good i love the way it happened too the final, the winning play, they can just run the ball three times and punt yeah. it. And so instead, good. second down, it's Dan Campbell second to his guns. Uh, yep. You know yep. that they're called, they want, they think the run's coming, you take advantage, and you get single coverage in the passing game. And um, you hit Amon Ross St. Brown, your most dependable guy, and that's your ball game. Um, so I, I think that that authenticity and the fact that they know who they want to be and they stick to it no matter what. Sometimes, you know, we saw how it doesn't work out. We remember the Lions Patriots game just last season where they came in and went like 0 for 5 on fourth down or whatever. Right. And you know, you're going to have games like that. But when you believe in the strategy, you stick to it anyway and you stick to your nature and you be aggressive. And this is where it gets you. Uh, and this is what this franchise needed. So, um, good for them. Super thrilled hope, for them. I, I saw that there was a, next week. I saw that there was a Detroit Lions blog that got shut down back after 2014 because the the writers were just so depressed. They basically <laughs> felt like they'd written everything there was to write about the lions. And I saw that for the first time in 10 years, they put up a blog post earlier today. Uh, they're like, we're, we're back. They got us back in. Um, so good. So good. Yeah. I love so it. happy for them. Um, yep. Yeah. So, I, um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'll be rooting for them next week uh, against the, against these bucks. Well, so. And I want to, can we, I want to take a look at this real quick while we look around who's in the divisional round. Yeah. Look at the, the Chiefs, Texans. The Chiefs, how did they get their quarterback? They were a good team already. They got mm -hmm. a they they bought on the, the secondhand market a former number one pick in Alex Smith. Yep. Became a good team. 
and then traded up to number 12 in the draft and got Mahomes. They're playing the Texans. They got Stroud this year at number two, and they dropped him into what we now know to be a pretty good situation. Nobody knew Nico Collins was that dude when right. they picked Stroud. Uh, you go to the other one, Josh Allen. Bills were a relatively decent team. They made the playoffs. Then you trade up in the draft, and you add your quarterback that way. Where mm-hmm. are they, they taking him at 10, I think 10. it was? Yeah, 10. Yeah. Uh, that I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, something something around there. That's how they. It did might it. have actually been seven. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Continue. Um, and you've got oh, I, I mixed up who's playing who in here, because then the other one, the Ravens. Now the Ravens had a first round pick and used it on somebody, and then came back up into the first round to pick number thirty two to mm-hmm. get Lamar Jackson, and they had I think already been a kind of decent team. I don't remember where they were in the Joe Flacco of it all. Um. Yeah, point. but they were they were a decent team. They weren't a great team, yeah. but they were a decent team. Yeah, they were a competitive team. And then by we the way, Josh over... Allen was was number seven overall. Number seven. Okay. Yep. And then we go over to the NFC. The number one seed, the Forty Niners, obviously very good team. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't work out. They trade up for Trey Lance. That doesn't work out. They luck into a guy with a last pick in the draft, but they keep taking shots on quarterbacks, and they have a good team. They drop a quarterback into a good situation. They are they're playing the Packers, who mm-hmm. used a first round pick and sat him and developed him for years. And that was pick yep. twenty four, something in that range. Uh, yeah, I think that's where Love went. Yeah, twenty four, twenty six, somewhere around there. And the Lions and the Bucks. I mean, the the Lions take on a number former number one pick that nobody wanted, mm-hmm. and the Bucks take on a fo- former number one pick that nobody wanted, but in different ways there, but. We have but just still. run we've run the gamut of how you can get a quarterback in this yeah. league. So yeah. just as a lesson, like it's not there are a lot of ways the Patriots can address this. And just because they don't trade up for a quarterback and just because they take one at three or don't take one at three or whatever, um, more than one way to skin a cat. You gotta build a quarterback's the most important position, but you gotta build a good team correct. regardless. Yep, that's correct. That's correct. Yep. So Darius Slay's getting carted off. Looks like he's yeah, uh, look painful done, done for the game. Um, so insult to injury right there or injury. Yep. To, yeah. Injury to insult perhaps. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with six minutes left down 16, it's not great, not great. And especially if they kick the field goal here, go up three scores. That's the end of that. So yeah, this, this one's over. Um, but anyways, so, so we'll see. I think the Patriots do have a lot of options. They're obviously drafting at number three. Everyone wants them to take a quarterback at three. I think it makes sense to take a quarterback at three. I think you have the assets, to do what some people may have suggested. Uh, so it's like a little segue, I think, into uh, into your mock draft here. So um, we're going to go through quick because we're already over an hour here. An hour 50. Yeah. Um, do you but, want me to walk through it quickly? Yeah, just walk through it. Walk through it quickly. Um, and I'll give and my process then, for... Yeah. Yeah, and you honestly... Yeah, walk through it quickly. Okay. So I am... Uh, I, my first mock draft here, as I sit, I am personally, I don't love the value of taking a quarterback at three in this class with the guys who are right now projected to be available. So that's Jaden Daniels and down the board. I like Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he's a good prospect. My issue with Jaden Daniels is that he has a, a profile as a prospect that no other guy who has ever really had, at least recently, right. and that he's a five-year college starter who didn't look like this until his fifth year of college. There's no historical precedent for that. Really hard to project how good he's going to be in the NFL. So 
at, at three, we're going to, in this hypothetical, we're going to say that Patriots do not want Jaden Daniels. Somebody else does. In this case, that someone is the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I have them trading up to number three. The Patriots trade back to number eight in the process. They pick up an extra second rounder, an extra third rounder, and a second round pick next year. With that eighth pick, I have a tackle. I went with Joe Alt. This could be uh, Fashanu from Penn State. It's, it's going to depend. I like the investment in the offensive line this early. You go through the top receivers every year. Half of them are first-round guys. Half of them are taken later. You go through the top tackles. They're basically all first-round guys. First guys. Yeah. And if it's in this hypothetical to Joe Alt, this dude's going to be 21 for his entire first season. He's young. He's talented. He's very good at what he does. You got a chance to lock up the left side of your offensive line, your left tackle spot for the next 15 years by making this pick. You just don't have to worry about it. That makes your life so much easier. That's what we do there. Then we use the extra that we uh, the extra picks from the trade back. We move up from the top of the second round to the end of the first to take Michigan's JJ McCarthy at the quarterback spot. Uh, I know this is a very controversial pick. Oh yeah. Listen, JJ McCarthy's going in the first round. He is yeah. the classic quarterback who's going to get a second round grade. But if you're a quarterback with a second round grade, that means you get drafted in the first round. That's just, that's the way that happens. If the Patriots want him, uh, and this could be Michael Penix, if that's who you prefer, it could be, if you if you, you could substitute another quarterback's name in there, if that's who you prefer for it, I'm going J.J. McCarthy with this one. Yep. But I think uh, I have them trading up high enough to jump Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay may want to invest in the future at quarterback, give up the two second rounders to do it. And the appeal for me with McCarthy is uh, he's been incredibly efficient and productive with not great receivers around him. And he's very young. He's got all the talent. He basically doesn't have a weakness to his game. He can do everything. The problem is none of his traits are elite level at this point, and he needs a lot more consistency. If you draft him, you are sitting him for a year and letting him learn. That is the plan, and you're signing a veteran that he can sit under. That's that's what you're going to do if that's the case. Right. After that third... Go ahead. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I just think it's a fascinating kind of situation and, and look at what is out there. JJ McCarthy. The hard thing for JJ McCarthy with me is that I like him in theory. The issue that I have, and I know I know what it has a lot to do with the with the guys that are catching the ball from him as well. But the issue that I have is that he attempted 10 passes in the in the championship game. So like it, it's just it's hard when you look at a guy that played in an offense that was, you know, run by the running game, right? Now, that doesn't mean he won't be okay. good. It's it's just a little bit more to project. And again, by the way, and it's so funny because people get very upset about, you know, people saying it's a terrible mock and so on and so forth. And, and I said to you, like, that's what makes it good because you got 300-plus comments on Pat's Baldwin <laughs> about it. People are pissed, right? You want people to be upset about it because – this is the type of thing that we're talking about. You, If you get, and we've already had this conversation, right? But the Joe Thomas conversation that this dim with, oh, it's right? Oh, Thomas made, conversation. Right? It's the stupidest thing of all time. Joe Thomas was, was a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame left tackle. What a three hole doesn't matter. Yeah. What does, it doesn't matter. You got to take a quarterback anyways. Well, no, you don't have to take a quarterback anyways. You don't. You don't. If, yeah. if you have a chance for a Hall of Fame player at any position, you should probably take him. 
That would be good. Yeah, and, and I maybe think, Joe Burrow won't be a Hall of Fame player, but I think he has a better chance of being a Hall of Fame left tackle than Jaden Daniels has him being a Hall of Fame quarterback. I might be wrong well, about that, but I think he does. And, and I would, I would take Marvin Harrison Jr. over one of the tackles, but. If somebody, I would, I would take a trade back and be extra assets, and in this case, two extra top one hundred picks, and it, one of them is a top fifty pick, right? Um, in exchange for taking a top two tackle instead of a top two wide receiver in this draft, when they're all very good prospects, that's that's really good for building out your team um, yeah. and being able to use those extra picks for stuff. Uh, there's just and it's you're gonna miss on draft picks so if you can get a lot of high quality ones. Um, that's kind of what you kind of what you have to do. Yeah. Um, just saw somebody called JJ McCarthy a pocket passer. JJ McCarthy is not a pocket passer. He runs, he's mobile. They run straight up option plays with him. They roll him out of the pocket all the time on stuff. In the game tying drive, the drive that ended up being part of what knocked Nick Saban out of football, that featured a long running designed play by JJ McCarthy. Right. He has, he's not Jaden Daniels. Uh, he's not that kind of athlete, but he's a good athlete. He can run. Right. Uh, as people have compared him to Mac Jones, he's nothing like Mac Jones. Other than yeah. that, they're white quarterbacks that won the national title. That's that's where it ends. JJ McCarthy's a better athlete. He's got a better arm. Mac was, I think, better at reading defenses and had more touch on his throw. So they're very different there. JJ can can run more. Um, JJ, I mean, McCarthy threw more passes in college than Mac Jones did. He's a more experienced college player than Mac Jones was yeah and jj has been very good in third and long situations um i mean there's concerns about him and no quarterback prospect is perfect but i think as a developmental guy he's probably as good as you're gonna get and i think i'd rather take my personally i think i'd rather take my chances with a younger developmental guy who can sit and learn with a new offensive system than um an older guy who may have already peaked for what he's going to be able to do Right, that's right. And sometimes well, they'd rather have Drake May. I I would take if the if Drake May is there at three, you run to the podium. If Caleb Williams is there at three, you run to the podium. You don't think about anything else. You just do it. If it's right. not one of those two, you got those run. guys aren't going to be available. So it's just you hey, know, you know what? What I will what I'll, what I'll always say is this: if if you're you're looking for a franchise player and you're counting on the Bears or the Commanders messing it up, I feel good about my. <laughs> that's odds. a good point. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. which, I'm not, on that I'm not note, making we did. that deal. I'm not making that. The deal you made, I'm not making that until draft night. I might say to them, oh, yeah, hey, no, no, that's, this you deal do is when you get place, on the clock. But let's see what happens, right? So yeah. I think you're right with that. So And listen, we, we're going to have time. We don't have time right now to break down to break down J.J. McCarthy and break down who would be the we'll best fit for the Patriots more, and so yeah. on and so forth. We have some but, clips on here. But. but I do think, you know, when, when all is said and done um, – that you know that you you kind of go from there and so yeah. and so we'll see yeah and there's and there's a one last comment on the qb thing and then i'll go to the rest of it because um i don't know if that's an i or an, an l but uh lo 23 uh says that the, the other than williams and drake may the other qbs aren't that good in this draft as prospects and i kind of agree there jade and, and i don't know if they're bad but they all have red flags Jaden daniels is a guy who uh like i said didn't get good until he started for a while. Right. JJ McCarthy is a very thin player who doesn't have any elite traits and who has limited experience against top tier defenses being asked to throw the ball against them. Michael Penix is a guy who 
it really doesn't does not operate well over the middle of the field he is the oldest of all these guys and has injury concerns and bo nix is also old and is, is running gimmick offense for most of the time he's in college right. these are none of these are great bets but at some point you gotta throw your chips in uh, on one of yeah. them and try it and if so you're, that's if you're spending yeah. if you're spending two second round picks on a quarterback I think that that's yeah. worth it. That's it's worth that's the fine. value because you have to find a guy. You have to. Yeah, and you're you're, you're getting you're, you're almost getting, now I get him for free, but you're picking up extra capital and still getting a quarterback who has upside right. Um, right. and has first round traits. So that that's yep. my thought there. Now I know everybody who's listening to this in their head is thinking, what about wide receiver? That's what the next two picks are about. That's what the third round is about. I have the Patriots going back to back receivers here. The first one coming off the board. Jalen Polk from Washington. You probably saw him in the national championship game mm-hmm. against Texas. He's physical. He's a ball winner. I think there are some similarities with him to A.T. Higgins in his profile. If he is still there on the board when uh, this is, I believe, pick 68 is where it is. Yeah. Um, this would be a great grab for New England. He's a guy who I think probably steps in as a, depending on who the Patriots have at the X spot, can step in as a starter, as the X receiver on, on day one. I like what they got there. I then pick 74, which is an extra one they pick up in the trade down. Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. This dude actually caught passes from Bailey Zappi when he was a sophomore there, but he's put up a ton of yards there. They're almost all after the catch because this dude is like if Isaiah Pacheco was a wide receiver. <laughs> doesn't separate a ton down the field. He isn't the greatest guy down there and he's a little bit undersized. But if you get the ball in his hands, he breaks tackles. He runs through guys. There's a, a highlight of his where he gets the ball on like a wide receiver screen RPO type thing, catches it, lowers his shoulder into a dude, knocks him down, not, goes right over him and takes it 60 yards to the house. And that's the kind of kind of player he is. Who I yeah. think he had that big playability and that helps. We're going to continue the big playability in the fourth round with running back Bucky Irving from Oregon. He's fast. He is quick. I love watching this guy play on tape. He knows what he's doing to set up blocker. He's small, but other than being small, he has everything you want in a running back. He can contribute in the, the passing game as well. He's a good receiver. So he is the perfect complement to Ramondre Stevenson back there and potentially allows you to uh, spend money elsewhere in free agency next offseason if you do not want to bring Ramondre Stevenson back. But I do love the way they complement each other and um, one of the things that's all over his tape, check down option, get it to him uh, short, and he'll he'll convert and get you first downs that way. And that's something the Patriots have been missing ever since they lost James White. Uh, right. So having yep. a guy like that, I think, would be big. We'll round it out. We got a fifth round, a corner from Washington, Jabbar Muhammad. I'm actually not entirely sure if he did enter the draft today. He posted something on Twitter that was very... Um, unclear if he was just transferring, going into the draft, or both. Uh, but he shows some really good traits. Washington DBs have usually been pretty good. He was very good against Oregon. He was good in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. He's a very, very smart player, and they coach them well at Washington. And that's one of the reasons why I like him in New England. Sixth round, we're going Ben Sinnott. He is a tight end, kind of slash fullback from Kansas State. A little bit of an older dude. He was, uh, I think, the third best run-blocking tight end in the country, according to PFF, this past season. He brings it as a blocker. He can play special teams. He can be your fullback. And he was also Kansas State's leading receiver this past season. 
Love it's it. the sixth round. Your worst case scenario, I think, with this dude is he's going to be a good tight end three for you who takes up a spot on special teams too. That's a great, great pick at that spot in the draft. And you know, we I wrapped up here with Ladarius Henderson. Uh, he was a guy who played tackle for Michigan, but who who he was at I think TCU and transferred to Michigan. I think that's oh Arizona State and then transferred to Michigan. He's going to be a guard in the NFL, but he's a really good run blocker. He's got a nasty streak to him. Um, and yeah, I like it. I, I like it. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, so that's this is the thing, right? You need help at wide receiver. You need help on the offensive line. You need help at corner. Mm-hmm. And, and you can use, you know, one of those slash type guys um, in in a guy like Senate. So I think that's really cool. Uh, by the way, Jabbar Muhammad is staying in school. So yeah, it's an early. Yeah, he they they said in the last thirty minutes uh, that Alabama was in his top three transfer destinations, which means he's transferring um, and not well, entering the draft. Yeah. All right. So we'll have to that we'll scrap that for the next that's one. Okay. When I put this together, tough. he's expected to go and do it. Well, that's the thing. It's tough at the beginning. I remember like a few years ago I had put a guy in that, you know, I think a running back that ended up going back to school. It just is what it is, you know. So um yeah. Anyways, but that's but you know, you get kind of those those spots that you need, right? And again, you talk about offensive tackle, wide receiver, uh I'm sorry, offensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, and then running back. You, to get all four of those positions and to get multiple guys at wide receiver now as well, that's incredible, right? And, and so, and so it is a good draft position. when you look at something like that. And and someone asked about TJ asked about Cooley McKinstry. I mean, he's going to go top ten, so he's not, you know, maybe yeah. not top ten, but he's going to go top fifteen. They, one of the things that I found interesting is that a lot of the a lot of the guys are starting to come around to this idea that he isn't even the best corner prospect from Bama. They have Terry uh, Terry Arnold. Yeah. I think I think he was a guy who broke out mid-season and kind of yeah. took it to the next level. Um, curious to see how that goes. Uh, I like both of those guys. I just they're not they're not on the level that like Christian Gonzalez was right. last year. And you're year not and, and you're not drafting one. You're not drafting anyone in the first round, anyways, because you yeah. drafted Christian Gonzalez last year. So yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah. I think that the big thing for me is that when you look at the Patriots draft, if you walked away from that draft. You may not like some of the names on there, right? You might look at it and say, yeah, J.J. McCarthy sucks. And, you know, I, I can't believe Jeff did a tackle at number eight. And we traded down. And what the hell? Into it. Does that draft make the Patriots significantly better than they were last year? And the answer to that question is yes. The answer to yeah. that question is is definitively yes. Well, and I, I so, think, you know, that's yeah. that's all I can look at and just say, well, it made them better. Yeah. And maybe and we can I think argue, about, more, argue about the players, but it makes them it makes them significantly better, and it makes the offense significantly better than it was last year. And I think that right away, it, you know, is yeah. is saying, all right, I'm okay with it. And I think more importantly, it sets you up for um, future moves that you right. can make. Yep. When we're talking about, oh, if they have that offensive tackle lined up, and let's say let's say the quarterback doesn't work out, but you gotta you get a tackle who can be your guy for a while, and Say one of the wide receivers turns into a wide receiver two level guy for you, and you know the running back ends up being good and the tight end is functional. Now you're at a spot where you go into the next year and all right, we have really solid depth at a lot of spots and we feel good about the offensive line. Now we can be more aggressive. Now we can go up and get a receiver if we want one. We can make a trade for a receiver if we want one. We can go up and get a quarterback or whatever it is we want to do. Um that's the key because we're not you're not doing this all in one year unless a draft like unless I 
the draft dodgers did happen and jj mccarthy's a quarterback one from day one and both of the receivers are elite at the nfl level and you know, the tight end is a tight end one and all that stuff plus all that stuff happens it's going to be a couple years um yeah so yeah no we'll we'll see uh see what happens but that that's what i got now my other takeaway from doing this mock draft i think trading down a couple of these spots would also be good for the patriots because last year they had what 12 picks they make 12 picks in last year's draft 10 picks in last year's draft and i feel like they need another infusion of talent like that with the this new regime whatever whatever whoever the decision maker is going to be so you can pick up extra capital in this draft or even for the future by making small moves down the board i think that is something uh that kind of has to happen because they need a lot of you need a lot of dart throws here you just you need it you got so many spots you're trying to fill and even if your process is good they're not all going to be great players so you want as many shots as you can get yeah yep true so so we'll see and look again for the people Yelling that you know it's got to be Drake May, it's got to be Drake. We see you, we see you, old man mob. We yeah, see you, other people. I have said it, and I don't blame you for 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 feeling that way. Yeah. And again, as you said, Matt, Drake May, Drake May is your is your QB two. We so just just so just so you guys understand what's going on, we are going to alternate mock drafts throughout the off season. So every two weeks, on Pat's pulpit on Monday, there'll be a mock draft that comes out. So one of them will be Matt's. One of them will be mine, and we'll go back and forth throughout the yeah. off season, and we'll go back and forth, and and we might do a joint one by the end. I don't, I'm not sure the timing and 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 how many weeks are. We haven't really planned it out, but maybe we'll do a joint one as our last one, or whatever, right? Or maybe we'll do a full first round mock draft. Who knows, right? But the idea is that we're going to give you a bunch of different looks at a bunch of different options for what the Patriots yeah. could do. Um, for those of you that that are yelling about the quarterback, you're gonna like mine in a few weeks. We'll just say it. we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you know, but yeah. it's we can go back and forth. The, and I think that the reason why we do these things is because number one, we want to kind of simulate what it looks like in a real draft. And I think the big the big value for me in doing mock drafts is not the the, the, the front the front end guys are fine. But to me, it's the back end guys. It's the guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and Mm -hmm. seventh round that no one's ever heard of before. Because if you're watching Mel Kuyper Jr., he's not talking about a a fifth round wide receiver or, you know, a sixth round running. He's not talking about any of those guys. He's talking about the guys at the top of the draft because who cares about that guy? Right. And so I think for me, I look at it and think, okay, that could be the situation where, you know, you learn about these guys and we can talk about those players. Um, and so we'll go from there. So anyway, so that, that's, that's yeah, what I would, that's what I would, uh, that's what I, yeah. what I'd look at at least. Well, I'd look at, I just brought this up to sort it, but we look at receiver, the top, top like 20 receivers in receiving this year. I mean, Tyree kills at the top of that list. He was the day three pick, although that was for off field reasons. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown was a day three pick. Puka Nakua yep. day three pick on this list i think dj moore was a second round guy i think no he was he was a first round was DJ Moore, no dj moore was a second round i'm pretty sure it was a second round no i have it up right here he was 24th overall oh, it was 24th okay yeah who who my oh aj brown aj brown was second round nico collins was second round yep. uh stefan diggs fifth round michael Pittman jr was second round george pickens was second round dk metcalf was second round 
There's a lot of guys who are not first round picks or not even top 10 picks who are leaders in receiving. Yep. So there's a lot, a lot of ways to, to attack that and being able to get an elite receiver is kind of the goal here. And if you can get an elite receiver sometime after the first round, that that's huge. That's what we're looking for. And the only way to, the best way to do that is to draft a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's true. So, yeah. All right. Let's get the heck out of here. We've been here for an hour and a half. Um, Thank you yeah, for uh, for sticking in with us. Obviously, as you can see, Philadelphia lost, got smoked, ended up by uh, by Tampa. Who knows if they're going to blow it up there? No. I have no idea. And and I'm really, I'm really fascinated to see where it plays out for the Patriots um, because, or where it plays out for Bill Belichick. I'm sorry because he obviously already interviewed with with you know Atlanta. They've made that public, obviously, but if Philly fires Nick Sirianni, and if Mike I mean, Mike McCarthy can't be the coach of the of the, of the Cowboys next year, it's just not happening. I, I can't imagine that's going to be the case. So, if both of those jobs are open, and both of those guys are, you know, both of those teams come calling to Bill Belichick, it's going to be really, really difficult for him to say no to either of those teams. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's easier. I think I do think that Atlanta is an easier path, right? Than I mean, Philadelphia just completely collapse at the end of the season, right? They were 10 and one. I mean, you're talking about they've gone one and six since that point, right? Like, so, cause they read, they went 11 and six, did they not. So like it was, they completely fell apart. And so Tampa may go into Detroit next week and get absolutely blown out by Detroit next week. They may not, but they might. And so I look at it and think, you know, there's a possibility that it's just it's it's become untenable in Philadelphia and they're not good anymore. And so who knows? Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what, what happens with Belichick. And, uh, you know, listen, I was over here beating the drum about Atlanta a month ago. Right. Um, saying that he should have gone to that. He should go to Atlanta because it makes a ton of sense. They don't have the quarterback yet, but they can sign a guy like Kirk Cousins or whatever. So um, but, yeah. you know, I, I do think. When you have the built-in offense already, and Dallas, especially with Micah Parsons, oof, you know, like that could be interesting uh, for a guy like Belichick. So we'll see. Next, we'll see what happens. Next week will be interesting, and we're gonna you know. our next show's Wednesday. Is that still the plan? Wednesday night. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah. you know what? I think I wonder if we should do Thursday night again or release on Thursday. I'm just because oof. again, this time of year, if something's gonna happen, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk we'll, about it, but it either be Wednesday we'll, or Thursday. By the next time we do it, we will have had Gerard Mayo's introductory press conference yes. too. So that's on Wednesday, and uh, very, very much looking forward to that. I think we're going to get some more info in the next 72 hours here about what their plan is for the next year. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. well, anyways, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and, uh, and we will talk to you uh, later on this week. Take care, everyone.